Okay, good morning. This is Richard Shu, host of Shu Untied. Uh, this morning, I'm very pleased and honored to have with me as my guest, Ken King, who's a partner at Skadden. Ken, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's great to be here. So, Ken, it's taken me over a year to get you to be a guest, so I'm very honored that you finally agreed to do this. <laughs> well, thanks. Uh, I, I'm, you're, you're very persistent. <laughs> well, I can be. And, and I admire you for that. <laughs> well, let me start by asking you, what, uh, what motivated you or prompted you to even go to law school or become a lawyer to begin with? Uh, you know, it's something that I always had wanted to do. Uh, I think even during high school, I thought uh, I was bound for law at some point. But I went to college, uh, went to Stanford. Uh, and while I was there, um, ended up studying Japanese language and uh, became an East Asian studies major and actually lived in Japan for a couple of years while I was a student. And after graduating from college, I uh, came to recognize around May or so that, gee, I'm about to graduate and I need a job and I haven't applied for a law <laughs> school yet. And what am I going to do? And I saw, uh, we had bulletin boards back in the day and I mm-hmm. saw on a bulletin board an advertisement for a, a role at a Japanese trading company. Uh, and I joined that, um, and ended up in Tokyo for four years between college and law school. Mm. Um, after four years in Tokyo, I decided it was finally time to get back on track with what I wanted to do, which was uh, go to law school. But it was a great experience to be in Tokyo, followed by law school, because in many ways, I, I, uh, my experience was that um, law and the legal system and the rule of law, I think, really epitomizes much of uh, what Western civilization is all about. Mm. And having come from uh, a culture where that's a little bit different um, made it just a, a very uh, interesting contrast. And um, after four years of um, working to sell Japanese steel pipe to guys in Texas, uh, <laughs> it was quite refreshing to go to law school and, and uh, have my mind challenged again. Now, when you went to law school, did you have an idea of what kind of lawyer you wanted to be or what was your thinking back I, I then? I didn't. I, I knew that I wanted to do business, uh, not litigation. Okay. Uh, because so you didn't have visions of being a trial lawyer? That wasn't had no thing. no vision of that. I knew I wanted to be um, on the business side, of the transactional side of, of, of law. But uh, beyond that, um, wasn't really focused on M&A at the time, mm. but did realize that... Um, that was appealing to me because I, I viewed it as uh, really not a focus on one particular area of law, but really uh, required a skill set um, and knowledge of lots of different uh, practice areas and lots of different um, substantive areas of law, and that, that did appeal to me. Mm. Well, how did you end up becoming an M&A lawyer? How did that come about? Um, you know, Skadden is a firm uh, I was attracted to because of at the time coming out of law school 87 is when I graduated and 88 um, is when I was looking for a job following a clerkship um, Skadden was the place to, to go for M&A mm-hmm. and um, I knew that I did want to do M&A and, and um, Skadden had a great reputation in the area it was the days of the hostile takeovers and um, Skadden had just opened up an office in the Bay Area and that appealed to me and they had a strong 
office already in Tokyo, and that also appealed to me. Mm. So I ended up uh, going with a firm that was strong in M&A. And did you like it from right from the get-go, or did it take a while to get accustomed to? Or uh, You know, it's interesting. I, 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 I liked, I, I was one of the rare people that actually liked being in law school. I liked the study of law. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that was notable to me coming out of law school was that if you were doing litigation and you had keen analytical skills, you could make yourself... Uh, valuable mm-hmm. and you could contribute um, right away um, but the learning curve for being a corporate lawyer or a transactional lawyer is much much steeper mm-hmm. um, and um, it took a while to get the hang of it mm-hmm. um, and I realized early on that somebody that um, had been um, had three four years experience on me and was opposite me in a transaction would know far more than i knew mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of catching up to do mm. um so i found the learning curve of um doing corporate law uh challenging because it's not something that they teach in law school mm-hmm. but once you get past that and realize that gee if i i don't know it it's probably because it's untested or mm-hmm. something that's mm-hmm. unusual mm-hmm. and I shouldn't be embarrassed not to know once you get to that comfort level it's it's a ton of fun mm-hmm. well what is it the fun what is it you like about MA? is it the negotiation is it the business side of it what, what is it that, uh, I, what, what I like it all like? of that I, I like um, that you're helping a, a client to get to a goal um, and usually when you get there the client's very happy that you've uh, accomplished <laughs> that uh, I like the fact that uh, it's dynamic that there's a lot of different uh, pieces of the law um, that you have to master and understand and, and put together um, the role of the M&A attorney in a transaction tends to be the quarterbacking role mm-hmm. and I like um, doing that um, and and the companies that we're, we work with out here, particularly the tech companies, are just endlessly interesting mm-hmm. um, in terms of what they are doing, the kinds of products and services, uh, business models that they have. And uh, when you do M&A, you uh, inevitably learn those um, aspects of what the company is all about, mm-hmm. what uh, what the products are, and uh, the business. And uh, you're never as close to the business as people are in house, but nevertheless, you get progressively closer, and uh, all of that makes it really uh, a fascinating area as well. Now, when you look back at your uh, long career of M and A transactions, are there a couple that kind of just leap to mind that just really stand out in your memory? Uh, many, actually, but I would say <laughs> one of th- I'd say a couple of things that put us on, on the map in uh, Silicon Valley when we first started. Uh, there were two very significant ones. Uh, one was uh, our representation of Compact Computer when it um, uh, sold itself to HP, mm. and that later uh, erupted into a proxy fight. Um, at the time, it was, I believe, it was something out of a twenty-five billion dollar deal. Is uh, when when a billion was real money back mm. then, <laughs> and. Um, you know, it was, it was a deal that I think very much put us on on the map in, in Silicon Valley. I think um, that was followed um, a few years later by uh, the hostile um, takeover proposal of uh, by Microsoft for Yahoo, mm-hmm. um, and dealing with that uh, was, I think, a seminal deal. Uh, but. Yeah, a lot of the work for Yahoo is really interesting. Putting together the what 
uh, today is Alibaba, which is essentially a joint venture at the mm-hmm. start between um, Alibaba Management, uh, SoftBank, and Yahoo is fascinating. I think more recently, deals that have been really quite um, challenging and interesting uh, when we sold uh, Broadcom to Avago, uh, which changed its name and, and then became Broadcom, but it was a sale of Broadcom to Avago to start with. That was challenging because it was a, a cross-border transaction and involves a lot of complexities. Even more recently, um, we did a deal um, uh, where we represented Intel and in its acquisition of Mobileye uh, Mobileye, um, uh, one of the largest um, companies in Israel, uh, but actually incorporated in the Netherlands and listed on the New York Stock Exchange mm. and involved um, making all those uh, various jurisdictions work uh, for tax purposes. It was an Israeli company, mm. but incorporated in the Netherlands, uh, had U.S. listed securities, and so um, making a transaction format and structure work through all that uh, was challenging. So uh, you asked earlier what I like about M&A. One of the things I like is solving those kinds of puzzles, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. which um, uh, inevitably involve lawyers in each of those jurisdictions, tax lawyers, corporate lawyers, making all that work together and figuring out um, how to get through a, a naughty problem, mm-hmm. I think, is is something that if you like solving puzzles is a lot of fun to do. <laughs> now, do you find yourself being on the buy side more than the sell side? Do you enjoy one more than the other? What is your um, what is your mix I, on that? I, I actually do both um, all the time. Uh, I think I enjoy, and I jo- enjoy both. I think from a business standpoint, when you are on the sell side, you lose a client, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. which is always bittersweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but typically the client's, uh, or the relationships you, that you have um, within a company uh, go forward and and uh, people that you've worked with end up at other companies and you have relationships going forward. Uh, I think the sell side transactions can be really challenging uh, because there's the human element involved. A lot of uh, the, the boards of directors are making very, very significant decisions for um, their companies in that situation. Um, you're dealing with people that may not have a job after uh, the transaction closes, and so there's a lot of challenge around uh, representing a, a seller in a transaction. Um, on the other side, a buyer. Um, you know, if you if you do well, you're going to continue to have a relationship <laughs> uh, going forward, and we like to do well. Mm-hmm. Uh, once the transaction concludes and there's a lot of comfort um, and fun involved uh, in working with people on a a repeat uh, basis. So particularly serial acquirers who uh, do one acquisition after another, you get into a certain rhythm and work with the same group of people and you know you can do it very efficiently and and have fun while you're doing it. So there's something to be said for both, I'd say. (laughs) Now, I understand Skadden is about to celebrate its 20th anniversary, is it? Is it 20th in Silicon Valley? That's right. Um, How do you reflect on that? When you started, did you think you'd be here 20 years later? Uh, You know, when we opened up, uh, we moved down, and there were only um, really uh, five of us uh, who opened up the office here Mm -hmm. 20 years ago. Uh, and we had um, literally a, a second floor walk up over the bank uh, building right next door to where we are now. 
Uh, we walked in, it looked like an insurance adjuster's um, <laughs> office, um, really lousy office, uh, but it probably had room for a dozen people, and we thought, oh my God, how, you know, we've got too much space, and we'll mm-hmm. probably never fill it up, mm-hmm. and we really um, hung out a shingle and, and, and had no idea what to expect. Mm-hmm. Um, we really had no idea whether... Uh, we would be able to make it here or not. Uh, it was a challenging market. Um, There's really terrific firms here already uh, back then, and we were very much the outsiders coming um, from the outside. Um, I think we were viewed as carpet baggers and <laughs> um, honestly felt a little bit um, that way. Um, but I think we came in better be lucky than smart, mm-hmm. I always say. Mm-hmm. And I think we came in at the right time at the right place mm. um, because when we we got here, we quickly um, managed to v- develop a client following, and it coincided with Silicon Valley just bursting at the seams mm-hmm. in terms of the sophistication of of, of the businesses that uh, the companies here are doing, the the global nature of it. And I think the the growth um, of tech and the significance of tech uh, in the global economy coincided um, very, very well with the wide range of skills and practice areas and geographical uh, coverage that we had. So it was really a, a very good timely match um so i'd like to say that we like to think that we had something to do with that in terms of what we um brought to the table but i think we were also very lucky mm-hmm. in terms of opening when we did well now you have this very nice high-rise view in palo alto which is very rare it is very rare uh our landlord when we negotiate the rent um uh, does like reminding me that it's the tallest building between San Francisco and San Jose. <laughs> Great. That's funny. Well, tell me, how has your m practice kind of changed since you started? I mean, is it essentially the same or how has it evolved? It's gotten more and more complex. I would say the uh, regulatory overlay mm. of the practice, at least right now, uh, is really at its apex. Um, so... Many of the deals that we used to do were maybe potentially smaller in nature and um, and potentially or possibly much more straightforward than they used um, then than they are now. I'd say any deal of scale that we do now um, inevitably involves antitrust uh, filings around the globe. Um, there are three significant. Um, jurisdictions to contend with always, uh, at least um, the United States, the EU, and China. Mm-hmm. And um, coordinating that effort, understanding what the substantive issues are going to be um, is paramount. Um, and at the same time, and they can sometimes go in the opposite direction of each other. Uh, the CFIUS overlay um, in terms of national security review uh, of deals has has become increasingly significant. So I'd say that aspect of deals has changed a lot. Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned you do mostly technology deals. Do you have certain areas of technology, certain industries that you you like better than others or give your favorites that you sort of like? Oh, they're all my favorites. (laughs) Um, I'd say recently, and it's really just a happenstance of what uh, what is happening in the industry, we've done a lot of semiconductor Mm -hmm. 
transactions, mm-hmm. and that's because there's really been massive um, consolidation mm-hmm. in the semiconductor industry, which for many, many years um, wasn't that way at all. There was very, very little um, M&A of scale in the semi uh, industry, and then because now maybe three or four years ago, um, Freescale, who we represented, um, was in a transaction to sell itself to NXP. Um, and I think that was about a $13 billion deal. And that really, for me anyway, uh, ushered in a huge wave of uh, consolidation in the mm. semi-industry. Mm. Um, uh, very unusually, when that deal was announced, NXP, uh, the acquirer in that deal, their stock rose 17%. Hmm. Uh, on the deal news, uh, meaning that investors understood that the, as an acquirer, uh, you could get real value out of M&A in, the, in, the, in that particular industry. And I think that led to uh, increased consolidation, which continues to this day. Now, one of the things you may not know, in addition to the fact that you obviously have a great reputation as a preeminent M&A lawyer, is that people know you because of your deep radio booming voice. Uh, do, you, do you think you intimidate opposing counsel with your voice? Uh, I I have not found that. Uh, or no no one has ever fessed up to me. Uh, I will say that uh, I enjoy doing board meetings uh, telephonically rather than in person as well. <laughs> well, Ken, I know you're a very young man. What uh, what other future plans do you have? I mean, I know you're just a mid career lawyer, but what, what do you, what's in the future for Ken King? I'm going to keep doing this. Uh, I take great joy in what we've accomplished over the years. Uh, we've really. Um, I think made a mark in Silicon Valley um, over 20 years from uh, a firm that really didn't know if we were going to be able to make it to. I think um, uh, a firm that um, I think uh, with all modesty we view ourselves as an impact player in Silicon Valley and I think continuing that, continuing to uh, develop the relationships here and making sure that there's a next generation of attorneys um, in Skadden in Palo Alto or here to serve our clients, um, as well as give back to the community. Those are the things that are, are most important to me. Well, Ken, this has been a fascinating conversation. I really appreciate your taking the time. If you do decide to ever do anything else, you'll have to come back and tell me about it. Okay, I will do that. This is Richard Chu and Ken King. Thanks. <laughs>